Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's time for the Life Writing Podcast with your hosts, authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve Dew. All about creating the project of your dreams while living a balanced artist life. Be the hero or heroine of your own story. Sponsored by LifeWritingPremium.com. Get ready to write for your life. Welcome to the Life Writing Podcast, where married authors and screenwriters Stephen Barnes and Tanana Reeve do talk about writing during stressful times, breaking into Hollywood, and balancing life. Every week, we'll share more tips on how to build a better life while you create your dream projects. Even if it's only at the rate of one sentence a day. Life writing is the application of the tools of writing to life and the tools of life to your writing. Okay, here we are. This is huge. We are there. This is huge. Do you know why this is huge? Why is it huge? It's huge because this is our one-year anniversary of the Life Freaking Writing Podcast, baby. One year. One year. It's, you know, God, I am so happy that we decided to do this. It, It is, I need, I need these conversations with you publicly. We say we have so much fun together and we we talk about these things so much in the car, at the table, so forth. I just know, I just in always knew bed. that you could share in the bed. Yeah, we talk about these things in bed too. <laughs> yeah, it's so hot, right? <laughs> That's our romantic. One day, perhaps that won't be all we do, but you know, hope springs eternal. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. You're right. But you know, no, it's just, I just love I don't just love sharing this, you know. It is great, and it just started as an idea. I believe it might have even been December. We were like, you know, we should just start doing a podcast. And in my mind, I was thinking that everyone's doing a podcast. We'll never get traction with all that podcast noise out there. But let's just give it a try because it sounds like fun. I love audio. I listen to several podcasts. I love Girl That Scary podcast, which is all about horror movies getting broken down. It's so fun. LeVar Burton Reads, we've been lucky enough to have him on our podcast. I'm an audio junkie. So if it was only just something for fun, I would have loved to do it. But it has turned into something so much more than that. Well, I think that we both have the the educational itch that that we love to lecture, we love to teach. And this gives us a pour for that. It also gives us a way to communicate to people about their own potential in their lives and what it is that we have for them if they'd like to get closer and, and try one of the actual products or systems that we have set up likely firedance tai chi.com or or life writing you know year long or life you know whatever it is that we're doing life writing premium.com whatever it is that we're doing it's primary it's primarily important for us to speak to people and give them a chance to get to know us so yes. that they can see whether or not getting closer to us is something that would make them happy right now hopefully the people on this call you know who's li- who are listening to this have been listening to this for some months they have yes. some idea of the kind of people that we are and i think that 
that's all I can ask, really, is give me a chance to let you get to know me. And if it seems to be cool, then, you know, come join one of our classes or just listen to the podcast. Yeah, just listen to the free content. Yeah, because we love sharing it. I like to tell people I like to teach it the minute I learn it. And I say that as someone embarking on a brand new career fairly late, you know, (laughs) compared to other people who come out here to Hollywood in their 20s. I am definitely not in my 20s. Although, by the way, today is also my birthday. So yes, it is. Yay! I forgot to mention that. I'm all years old today, and I won't even let the number in my head at this point, but much less speak speak it aloud. It's like an no, I understand exactly what you're talking conjuring. about. Conjuring. I really, don't, I really <laughs> but, don't think about it a whole lot. The one thing that I will tell you that Carl, Sifu Carl Totten, who taught us the blessing dance, said is that I had been thinking about the old man that I wanted to be on my deathbed. And he said, don't, don't do that as much as you think back to the child that you were, Mm. that that you identify with the child part of you. And that way you're continually renewing that child energy. Mm. And it makes sense. I know that, that I've always looked at that as, as where my creativity comes from, right? But I hadn't thought about that in terms of health itself. So I just want to give that to you and so, maybe your birthday, but I got the present because your mommy created you and I got oh, my life with you. Uh, I oh, love you so much. You're going to make me cry. Aww. Well, you know, I I feel that way just when, I, when I'm missing you. you oh, know, I know. Here, when I think about how important you are in my life, that my life doesn't work without you anymore. Oh, baby, listen to you. Okay, now you're getting me all, you know, how I'm bothered. We got to hey, do a podcast. Yeah, and- you know. Yeah, we have an amazing <laughs> we have an amazing guest today, director yeah. Lucina Fisher. But before on. we get before we get to Lucina, and she's also one of my absolute oldest friends. So this is my birthday present to myself Yay. is that I get to bring my my best friend on the Your podcast. Bestie. But before we do that, why don't we talk about what's been going on? Yeah. That reminds me, you know, that I just I just came back from visiting my dad, who's 88 years old in Atlanta. And, you know, he continues to amaze. He walks with this. He has to walk with this kind of walker with wheels, but it's loaded down with books and papers. He's just the same guy he's always been, but with a walker. And I showed him the Blues Brothers. I don't think he'd seen it maybe since it came out. And that church scene with James Brown as the pastor and that, woo, man, I always say if that's what church was really like, I would be there every Sunday and maybe on Wednesday or Thursday, too. I mean, so much fun. I love gospel music. And my dad is doing great. It was so fun to see him and my sister out out in Atlanta and her whole family, really. So I just I'm I'm glad you could do that. I usually moving into this new house, mm-hmm. it, it taxed us, you know, in yeah. terms of in terms of resources. So it was very good that we were able to budget and get you out there. It was a budget issue. We didn't go out for Christmas like we all usually do. Yep, um, we usually do. But Jason and I stayed here. We had a fun yeah, time. My sister, and- you know, and her family came here to the house just like we were able to for Thanksgiving. So talk a little bit about what you see happening in 2023 for us. Well, before I get to that, before I get to that, I wanted to mention to the audience who. You know, I said this on Twitter and Instagram earlier today. I was born on my parents' anniversary. 
So my whole life, I had that joint holiday, which was probably the the worst end for them because you have to prioritize a child's birthday over your own. I mean, what a pain that must have been for my parents. Let me just think about that. But my mom passed away in 2012, Patricia Stevens Dew, the civil rights activist. And my father, John Dew, is also, he calls himself a freedom lawyer. So he's a civil rights attorney. And for the past few years, I've been celebrating with my father what I call our birthdayversary, right? So I would fly out when he was Your living birthery. in- Well, we call it the birthdayversary, <laughs> but, and we would always- that's probably better. I feel like once I took him to a jazz club, I might be imagining that. But like once like we went to like one of the best restaurants I could find in Tallahassee. And this time it was just at the house. And, it, you know, the life is scaling down. He doesn't go out nearly as much as he used to. But I feel so blessed. 88 years old. 88 is is great. He was making jokes about the inability of the GOP to to vote on a speaker for the house. So he's in, he's in, you know, he's still my dad. And I, I feel really, really lucky uh, that he's still here. And also I just wanted to commemorate that we're sharing this day together with his anniversary with, with my late mom. And in terms of 2023, I said something bold and this is appropriate for Lucina. I want to direct something this year, like maybe a short or something. And I'll talk more about that maybe later or maybe not. I don't know. But that's something I actually said out loud to another director I know, which is, which is difficult to do because her experience is so far beyond mine. I didn't want to sound Pollyanna. Like I think, oh, you can just, you know, decide you're a director and go direct. But there is some truth to it in terms of who you surround yourself with. And I have been in the industry and I've been writing for a very long time and I'm a storyteller and directing is, you know, visual storytelling. So I'm just putting it out there. And I have two books coming out this year, The Wishing Pool and Other Stories, also The Reformatory, which my dad went on many, many research trips with me while I was working on that book. So that's what my 2023 is looking like, darling. Well, so we are right now waiting to hear about a television series that the hmm, the executive the less said the better the, the executives involved in this series want us to be involved and it will be a really wonderful thing that will teach us and will bring us resources and give us opportunities and help us network and we will be sharing everything that we learned from it we would like our love our listeners to keep their fingers crossed because this is this is this is the big one we've been we've been jockeying for position on this for quite some time. And if this happens, it changes everything and it makes us, it makes it possible for us to be even more valuable to the audience because we'll be even deeper on the inside. Reporting back to you from the front lines. Reporting I can't back. wait. Can't Cannot wait. Well, let's bring on our guest. I, you know, I know Lucina so well and have known her for so long that I totally forgot to look up her bio. So I'm just going to wing it. But Lucina Fisher, <laughs> that and IMDB baby, I mean, we were both reporters at the Miami Herald a few years ago, and she went to film school and has been directing ever since. She most recently did a fantastic, well, that's not most, but her most recent feature was Mama Gloria, which came out in 2020. And I will have her tell you all about that beautiful, beautiful story that even President Biden cited Mama Gloria in in a speech not too long ago. Because Lucita, 
brought that story to life. It brought that story out to the world. And Birthright, a war story in 2017, she was, I believe, a, a writer on that. And, of course, she directed our short film, Danger Words, starring Frankie Faison and Saoirse Scott, which is available at www.dangerwordfilm.com. But anyway, let me let Lucina on to tell us all about herself. And she's just had an amazing experience with Queen Latifah. I am so freaking jealous if you weren't my bestie girl. So excited to welcome Lucina Fisher. Hey, can we do a little dance? Can we do a little dance? dance. Yeah, we need to do a birthday dance. Birthday dance. Come on, Steve. No, we all have to be going in the same direction. That's how it looks cool on the video. Okay, here we go. Right? Left. Okay, I see. It's right. I have to go this way. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, I see what it I is. I was never good at t- yeah, because I have to go in the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. With you. That's but anyway, is. and let's point out it is hard to dance without music, right? So <laughs> but you know. we have been chair dancing through the pandemic. True. I learned True. that at your parties. That yes. we were that you your virtual salons. Oh my yes. god, we love doing those. those that was fun. so fabulous. You guys are terrific. This is a great show. I'm oh. already into it. I was just like, oh my god, that's happening in 23. I'm my fingers are crossed. <laughs> She's gonna direct. <laughs> Let's do this together. I'm right. Also, I'm so excited. And I feel like, wow, we've been through so much together. Yeah, we used to be on the phone long, long time before Zoom and smartphones. Wow. Back, back in the day when there were corded phones, you plug. Yes. In. Yes. And we would call each other during L.A. law and then yes. break down the episode Usually the ones with Blair Underwood. Yeah, I was going to say, you you don't have to be afraid to say that we were talking about Blair Underwood, because that is definitely a lot of what we were talking about. We were, but we were also dreaming, and we were dreaming out loud. We were like sharing yes. our dreams with each other. And that was the beginning, really, right? Yes. You know, it was it was stating them out loud and then sharing them with others. And I feel like on previous Tanata Reeve birthdays, we would celebrate often with a poetry reading. Yes. Remember having a poetry reading at your house? I do remember. And what's sad, I was going to do it again because we have a space that I'm proud of that I would like to share with people again after COVID. But then with the surge, I was like, oh, this is probably not a good weekend to have a party at my house. So I'll keep an eye on it. And then maybe February around this time, I would like to do it again. You know, when we first moved out to Los Angeles, do you remember this? You know, who showed up at my birthday salon, which I had out in Lamert Park? Angela Bassett. I got remember up you telling me that. And she read, oh, this is before smartphones too, because she recited. She recited, she did a reading she used to do at Yale Drama School, I believe she said. And it was, I don't have to tell you, it was just fire. It was fire. just so amazing that she was there and I'm so happy for her success. But back to our, our story, we were both right out of college when we started working for the Miami Herald. We worked in the neighborhood bureau, neighbors, you know, suburban reporters. And that office was chaos. <laughs> it was straight up the, the boondocks. I mean, we've 
nights. We would go to lunch, like hour and a half, two hours, right? Honey, we would go to movies during lunch. But somehow we always met deadline. We got our stories done. Usually. And in on time. Yeah, usually. (laughs) Usually. uh, Those were the days. But out of that, and we, you know, journalism is is an amazing field, a difficult field, really, with the deadlines and the human drama that is really behind the whole business of journalism is the face-to-face and and sometimes being up close in dangerous situations. And Mm. uh, apparently none of us wanted to do that forever. (laughs) Not forever, but I did it for a long time. I don't yeah. remember clearly you telling me about a situation where you felt you were in physical danger. Oh, okay. Well, I was covering an insurrection after the acquittal of yet another police officer for yet more wrongdoing. And in the middle of it, Susan Candiotti was there. She borrowed a pencil from me. And uh, and at one point, so there were fires being set here and there, perhaps cars being overturned. I don't remember all the details, but at one point, one of the roving groups, I'll call it, of of people who were in a bad mood, looked at me and said, "You're pointed at me and said, you're next, right? And then they moved on. It was just more wow. of a, it was a point by is what it was. It wasn't, there was no, wow. there were no teeth, but that was just this kind of that thing. That would still be scary. That thoughtlessly flung yourself into because it was your job and, and you act like that notebook reporter and pen is some kind of armor mm-hmm. or weapon or whatever. And we didn't give it a thought. I don't remember ever being too scared to do a story. I remember driving past a lot of things that could have been stories because I didn't want to stop. <laughs> but I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember being afraid to do anything. It's just, yeah. I wanted to be a writer, my heart, a, a fiction writer. My heart mm-hmm. wasn't in it. So 10 years and out was, was what I did. And then I met this gentleman here, Stephen Barnes and got married and moved to LA. And that, that was the beginning of my Hollywood story. What mm-hmm. was the beginning of your Hollywood? Well, let's start with the end of your Hollywood story. Mm-hmm. I want you to talk about this incredible project you just worked on with Queen Latifah. I want you to talk about Mama Gloria and I want you to talk about what you're working on right now. And then we'll go back to the beginning. Wow. Okay, let's start with Queen Latifah, who I saw close to my birthday. We were shooting promotions for our films in the Queen Collective, which will be coming to BET nice. very soon. Yeah, later this year. Great. Well, sooner rather than later. And my film, it's a short documentary called Team Dream. and. I I think it's so appropriate and applies to everything you were talking about earlier, which is you're never too old to dream. Mm -hmm. And Steve, I love what you said about when you think of yourself, think of your the the child in yourself, you know, the child who has those dreams. And and that's the place that I come from. And I think it's also the place that these two women in Team Dream, Anne and Madeline, they are athletes, specifically Black female female swimmers who began competing in retirement. So Anne is 83, Madeline is 77. It's and they amazing. Com- they, it's, the film follows their journey to the National Senior Games, where they compete at the swim events. And it was so much fun, them really find that joy in competition. And, and you could see how there's an agelessness to that. 
Yes. Uh, it's it's really not even about how old you are. It's, you know, just how much you're willing to overcome your fears and and really put your dreams first. And and so the film, we actually premiered it. Well, we had a special screening at the Martha's Vineyard African American Film Festival in August. Standing and ovation. We got a standing ovation. Yes. It was crazy. <laughs> no, I was not, not expecting Excellent. that. You should have oh. been expecting that. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, you should have been expecting that. That is an incredible story, especially Beautiful. when you remember the history of Black people and swimming pools. You know, there's a stereotype that Black people can't swim. And the truth underneath that stereotype is that for a lot of generations, Black people were prohibited from most public pools, public pools. A lot of our children don't live in neighborhoods where they have access to a swimming pool or a way to take lessons. The Black people don't swim thing came came because kids asked their parents, how come Black kids don't come into the pool? And their parents Mm -hmm. lied to them and said, oh, Black people don't swim. Yeah, I gotta I don't wonder, know. you know, whether or not that was a form of self-justification. It's mm-hmm. just, but they defied that. So anyway, they defied that, and 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 then the film also touches a bit on that history of segregated swimming, but the history that came before that, long before Africans were brought to America, they were among the world's greatest swimmers because Mm. they lived on the water. They made their living on the water and they were fierce divers and swimmers at a time that Europeans were not going into the water, were afraid to go into the water and didn't know how to swim. Mm. They were saving the lives of these Europeans. Um, So we talk a little, we touch a little bit on that history, but but really the film is is about a celebration of of joy and dreams and 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 pursuing what is your passion at any age really are you ready to shop rakuten's big give week is back get 15% back at hundreds of stores and it's all happening this week may 6th to may 13th it's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Team Dream, it was still on the film circuit. So look for the film to be somewhere near you, if not on your screen on BET coming soon. But prior to that, yeah, I made my first feature as a director, Mama Gloria. Oh my uh, gosh, so good. So the beautiful. film, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. And and you remember Tanana Reeve, I was telling you when I came back from filming Gloria the first time. And uh, I just remember sitting on the plane, flying back from Chicago home to the East Coast, and it, my whole body was tingling because I I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was telling the story I was supposed to be telling. And that story came to me magically. A friend reached out because Gloria Allen was... Um, looking for someone to help her write her memoir. She was a Chicago icon. She was a legend, really, in the trans and LGBTQ community there. She had really transitioned before the modern gay rights movement, before yes. Stonewall. And she yes. did it with the love of her Black family, her mother, her grandmother, her aunt. They lived on the south side of Chicago, I mean, it was really just remarkable that it was a story that defied all the narratives that we hear about Black people and and trans folks or LGBTQ folks. And then Gloria in her 60s decided to give back because, again, here's there's a theme here. Yeah, um, I'm noticing the theme. I love it. <laughs> a trans I- woman elder. See, this is, yes, you you pitched this to me I feel in a line. It's, it's about a trans woman elder who used to run a charm school for trans girls way back before there were any conversations happening publicly about trans people. So, yeah. What year was that when she was running the school? Well, she was running the school in actually the 20 teens, but she was in her 60s and nobody was was reaching out to young trans people and and even within the community these kids many of them were homeless because they had been thrown out of their homes and she reached out and and really what she said was why are y'all acting out in public like that, dressed like that, misbehaving, talking loud, scaring the people around here? And they were like, we're sorry, Mama Gloria. They recognized that she was an elder and called her by, you know, Mama Gloria. And, and she said a bell went off and it was these kids, they need help. They need somebody to, to, to give them lessons, but to show them love. Wow. And, and that was her charm school. Amazing. So, you know, what was great is that Gloria was able to go out with me. Of course, most of this was virtual because it was during the pandemic when the film was released at the Chicago International Film Festival. But she learned how to get on Zoom. She would talk to people, audiences who had screened the film all over the world. Yes. And they just loved it. They loved meeting her. Everybody was so touched. And she just got the 
biggest kick out of it. She, she, she knew she was a star. And I said, Gloria, are you ready? Because the world is going to know about you. And she's like, yes, I'm ready. (laughs) And it went all the way up to the White House. Yeah, it was pretty magical. Tell Um, tell us, tell the audience the context for how Gloria Allen's name ended up coming out of President Biden's mouth. Oh my gosh. Well, it was a shocker that Gloria passed away in June of last year. It was a Monday and I, you know, was still reeling from her death when my daughter and I were on our way to the White House for the Pride event. We had been invited by the president and his staff to attend. And actually my daughter had been asked to personally stand behind the president who was going to be signing an executive order protecting trans youth and other LGBTQ folks. So before we walked into the White House, I just remember thinking, Gloria, you know, we're going into the White House and I know you're here with me. And and we walked through those doors, my daughter and I, and then she went off to the green room to meet the president and first lady. And I'm standing there in the audience, you know, waiting for the president to come out. He comes out, he's giving a speech for pride and he's getting close to the end. And he says, we're going to win, you know, we're going to fight back all this legislation and you know, the the hatred that, you know, is emerging, you know, right now from the country. And we're going to win because we stand on the shoulders of people like Gloria Allen. I'm about to cry right now. <laughs> I'm about to cry right now. I, and that's right. I, she had just passed away. I thought she had lived to see it, but it wasn't that. It was, it was the, what do I want to call it? The award, the GLAAD awards. She got to live to see that. She which did. Because you were nominated for a GLAAD award. Thank you. I mean, that is such a beautiful, beautiful story, a beautiful film, a beautiful thing you did. I just have to... I have to give you separate applause just for for Mama Gloria. And the theme that I love running through both Team Dream and Mama Gloria is joy mm-hmm. as elders and maintaining joy. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure all these women have things that weren't working right and not working the same and it's harder to feel like yourself every day, but they focused on their joy. Yeah. And they radiated that joy to other people. And, and you're that same spirit. It's not a surprise to me that you would be drawn to stories like that, but you know, that kind of brings me, and we will talk about the the project you're working on currently, but last, I I just realized I want to save that because I want to, to go to the inspirational piece for the audience. I have a goal Mm -hmm. that by the end of this podcast, at least one person will decide, you know what, it's time for me to make my short film this year. This is the year. 2023 is the year you make your short film. I, I'm, not just, I'm not just talking. To, I'm not just talking to film students or people who wish they were film students or people who have always just wanted to make a film. I'm talking to you TV writers who have never had your own unfiltered work. Yes. Out in the world. I'm talking to screenwriters. You may have been making a living from your screenplays for 10 years, but you've never had that unfiltered work out in the world. A short Mm -hmm. film is an opportunity to do it your way. Yes. 
Exactly. <laughs> it's so pure. It's so pure. And I want to thank you, Lucina, because watching you go out and make your first short film, what was the name of your the first short you made? Oh, death I, in the family. I knew it. And, uh, you know, I'm getting up there. So, but death, no, death in the family. Right. Yeah. Beautiful story based in family history. Yeah. Beautifully told. And that was that 2012, was, I think. Yeah. When we released that film. So yeah. inspirational that when we were all talking and, and Steve and I were complaining a bit about trying to work in Hollywood, and I don't remember all the ins and outs of it. But it was a Facebook conversation. We should make a short film. You should direct. And you were like, yes. And then a a major actress's mother jumped in the thread saying, oh, send her a script. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. It got, we were off. We were off. We were off. Just because, and that's what I want you listeners to understand. We had to but utter it to the universe, like Steve with our podcast, right? We had to just utter it to the universe. Well, I remember... We were back in Atlanta at the time. Yes, and as yes. we were. People have, have heard around the edges. There were aspects of that that were not happy making. And one of the things was that I felt like I was at a standstill. I was stalled in terms of making certain kinds of changes in my life. And I was asked to judge a film contest at, a, at a, one of the schools out there. And I watched it. And I thought to myself, these kids did a fantastic job of very few resources here. I mean, they, they were given cameras and, and film stock and so forth and so on. But it occurred to me that we could do this. Yes. We could do yeah. this. And it, it actually started a conversation where it's like, well, how much would it cost? And there's a guy named Dove Simons who has a, a three-day film school on, on DVD. And he talks about stair-stepping your way up to a feature film you know, the way to make a $5 million movie is by making a $500,000 movie. And the way to do that is by making a $50,000 movie. And the way to do that is to do a $5,000 movie. And the way to do that is do a $500 movie. And the way to do that is to do something on your iPhone and <laughs> post it. And then you use that to leverage yourself into investments. So we looked at that and the attitude was within the circle of people that we knew and the social media that we had, we had sufficient resources to make this happen. And the thing that was great is that besides knowing that I had a great director sort of right at my fingertips, lucky me, I'd also been following people on social media like Matthew Cherry, who has since gone on to win an Oscar, and Ava DuVernay, who has since gone on to be all caps, Ava DuVernay, you know, back when they were just starting out. And mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay and Array still have that indie spirit and yeah. this sort of can do outside of the system. And Matthew Cherry had done crowdfunding. I had contributed to his crowdfunding projects. So watching the way other people did their crowdfunding campaigns taught me how to do a crowdfunding campaign. Supporting other people's movies mm-hmm. taught me how to create a campaign for for our movie. And yes. You know, there's so much we could really do a whole episode just about Danger Word. But but before we I don't want to get too mired in that. It's just really this notion that we get so caught up in believing our identities, who we are Mm. and don't realize often who we can be. Right. So I can say I want to direct something this year. That doesn't mean it will happen. But it means it's much more likely it will happen. (laughs) Well, you know, that's what you want to do, T. 
The question I would have for you is, do you know what the resources and actions would, that would get you all the way there? Then what would get you halfway there? And then what would get you halfway to that? And what would get you halfway to that? Until you can see what it is that you'd have to do this week in order to be on that track. When right. you got it down that small, then you can take that step and you're on that path to being to being that. That's right. Uh, I I believe that you have a touch of magic, sweetheart. If you really decide that this is what you want to do, you'll do it. You well, I appreciate your back. that. I can you feel the light bulb. Your, your girl right here will tell you anything off. that you need to know. That's right, girl. Come on, let's do it. Well, you know what? You you know we make a we make a good team, and and make a good team. You know, I I think the the relationship between writers and directors is so special, and and you know I I do write. Yeah, you also write. Yes, yeah. Came from a writing background, but now as I've like progressed in the director's space, you know, I, I don't always have time to sit down and, and write a whole script, but I love to collaborate with other writers and, and, you know, bring the vision, you know, the collective vision to life. And, and so I, I, I really think writers, directors, editors, those are the three storytellers, right? In this process, of course, producers, to a great extent, they are kind of the midwives, mm, for sure. <laughs> you know, that that help give birth to the process. But I've always said the stories are told, you know, in those three places. It's on the page. It's, you know, in production, in the making of bringing that page to life. And finally, in the edit, because what you think you might be shooting is not necessarily what comes through, you know, when the editor sits down to look at it. So, you know, those are, and you see a lot of, you know, back and forth between those roles, because each person is a storyteller in their own right. So it's just a matter of figuring out what are those other buttons you have to push. Yes. And and Steve is right, you know, it's it's you know really just putting one step in front of the other. You know, that was what it was for me with making my first short. He reached out a producer said, "Would you like to make a short film cuz I'd like to make one, you know, let me, you know, send you to this weekend class that Sundance was doing on on making a short film." And fantastic. You know, that was it, you know, it was wow. like really just figuring out sort of the nuts and bolts and knowing that, you know, I I had the will you know, is it is about having that will. To Nanarive go a, a, a workshop of, of the nature of the one that you went to, does she need that? You know, what, what is, Probably, what is the yes. first step that you would suggest for her to take? What's the first uh, step? Well, I mean, w- you both were on set, right? Yes. During yes. the making of Danger Word. Yeah. I think there is nothing more valuable than just seeing the process up close. So asking those fil- those friends of yours who are directing, you know, can I shadow you? Can I yes. come on set? Yeah, I I would say, you know, that's a great first step. You, you know, there's certainly master classes out there on, you know, directing and sort of the, the nuts and bolts of, you know, that often, you know, having a great assistant director, you know, you know, helps with kind of the process of being on set. But really, 
I think as a storyteller, you do intuitively know what you want to see on screen. Mm. It's just figuring out how to have the language, to have the conversations with the crew to bring that vision to life. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's easy. It's figuring out, you know, what are, what's that language? Yeah. One thing that our friend Brian Fuller told us is that the key to being a good director is to surround yourself with smart people. And I know to a big, obviously there's more to it than just that. Right. Well, that is the key to life. But would you also yes. agree with that statement that even as a relatively inexperienced director, if you have a strong vision as a storyteller, surrounding yourself with the right people. Obviously, we had I think we had a very good cinematographer for Danger Word. I think we had an excellent editor for Danger Word. We had great sound people. Yes. I mean, really, for Danger Word. So even though it was a scrappy crew and not everybody was as happy Makeup. to be a, a part of that scrappy crew because it was a little too scrappy for their taste. <laughs> we didn't have no money is what I'm trying to say. They were lugging their own equipment. They did not like that. <laughs> I feel like there was only one person we're talking about. Only one person? But- <laughs> okay, good. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's gotten all distorted in my mind. Is But I do know no one came to the rap party. Like zero, nobody <laughs> came to the rap party because they were too tired. Which is we actually, did work our crew really hard, and but and you have to provide good food. Yes, you know, we did good that. food and breaks. That. You know that is crucial. So no, I would I I would absolutely one hundred percent agree with what Brian said. I would just add to that: not only surround yourself with good people, but surround yourself with good people you trust and you like, because filmmaking is it is a collaborative process. You can't necessarily do it all on your own. And and you do need to enlist others. It is about relationships and, you know, how you treat people and also building relationships with people that you like to work with. So I do tend to work with the same people who, you know, I I work well with and who know me and know my style. I am not, you know, an uptight director, but I like a I like a cohesive, calm set. Yes, uh, you Holy know, cow, yes. <laughs> and and my and my peoples know that, you know, and and so we, you know, if if we have any, you know, kind of bad apples or squeaky wheels, you know, they they don't usually show up on the next project. I know um, that's right. I know that's right. It's it's so important. It's a, it's because and you're right. Being on set is in many ways the greatest teacher. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to be involved with Danger Word as executive producers and just seep it up. Just all, the good, the bad and the ugly. And there was plenty of everything to go around. Except at the end there was a miracle birth. You get this this project that lives forever. It's a, it's a time capsule because she or she was only like, what, like 11 or 12. And now she's in college. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Amazing. It's, it was, you know, it rained when we didn't want it to rain. There were cars driving by when it was supposed to be deserted. <laughs> there, there were, the gun broke, you know, when, when Searsha threw it on the ground, there were things that went wrong. <laughs> Am I not supposed to say that? I mean, the gun was broken. It the did not broke. discharge, though, because there was no bullets in the gun. No bullets. No, no, no. We had all the safety <laughs> measures, Lucina, and I we can't did. tell you enough how much I learned from you watching mm-hmm. you coordinate this, even at a small shoot, 
the chaos of a shoot. I remember the day we were sitting out on the highway, we had scoped out this scene on this deserted highway where the where there's supposed to be a mother played by my stepdaughter, Mickey Barnes. There's a mother who's been bitten, who is basically begging for a, a stranger to stop the car and just take her kids before she turns into a zombie. Just that's how dire her situation. She is just flagging down anybody on the road. And the kids are supposed to arrive and we're supposed to start shooting. When that carload of kids drove up on time, I was like, oh my God, this woman is a miracle maker. I was just, this thing is a watch. It's a well-oiled machine. It was so (laughs) awesome. But, and I think a lot of people don't realize, you may be listening going, oh, well, it'd be nice to know a director so I can make my film. Well, you might know a director. You're, you might have a kid in high school who is as good a director as you need mm-hmm. to get your film made, right? I, I do believe in starting on the iPhone. I will direct the audience to my really, really amateurish short film called Lost that I shot on my iPhone. Like I I did it found footage style so I could just do it by myself on a hiking trail. It was really just for for fun. I edited it. So I wanted to learn it inside out, like write the story, act it, edit it, which I think Mm -hmm. you're so right. Editing is, is, is so important in filmmaking. I didn't do that much. I didn't like switch scenes around and like, I didn't I didn't do the real editing that 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 Terrence Taylor, our editor, did for Danger Word. But to Terrence, you know, people, you know, people in your circle who at least know people. My 12 year old son edits on his phone. Yes, (laughs) exactly. He's good. (laughs) Yes. So don't overlook the resources that live right in your house. You feed them. I mean, that's the least they could do is give you a little something back, right? <laughs> so look, look at the resources true. in your own house, a circle of friends. I cannot recommend any more highly working with like a really, really close friend. Mm-hmm. And as intense as it got between the fundraising, the shoot, we never, I don't remember any arguments. There were mm-hmm. things we disagreed about, right? But we didn't argue. And no. And nothing that would ever come between the relationship because you you always have to remember it's about relationships. So why are we doing this? You know, we're doing this because we're friends. We want to make something together. I think when, when you came to meet Nanareev, the thing I remember is, is you saying that you had been waiting for so long for books that had been optioned stories that had been optioned of yours that had not come to the screen. Many of them. them, (laughs) Except for what we got horror noir. So I got my first adaptation of a short story, but none of the novels, they've been in, in, in and out of development since they've come out and, and nothing yet. Which is crazy because your work is so freaking incredible. Well, thank you. you. Uh, we're working and, on it. <laughs> and and so, you know, maybe the world is finally catching up. I think it, it might be. I, you know, I do. I think you you both have, you know, helped spur the movement of Afrofuturism. I was actually, when we were on set with Queen Latifah recently. Oh boy, here she is name dropping already. My my friend, the queen, when 
she was talking about what she does to relax. And she said she loves to watch science fiction. She Uh-oh. loves anything related to science fiction Uh-oh. or especially black science fiction. She's oh, like shoot. books. She's like, oh my God, Octavia Butler, you know, love her. You know, so all I could think was she needs <clears> to, <throat> she probably already knows about Tanana Reeve, but maybe she doesn't know that Tanana Reeve is yeah, my BFF. We may, need to be, we may need to be doing a little sidebar about a little introduction, <laughs> whatever, oh whatever. Oh my gosh. But yeah. knows I love me some Queen Latifah. I've been talking about that our whole marriage, but yes, <laughs> yes. that is great. That is great. I, I want to ask you quickly, I don't want to keep you too long, but you're working on a really important project to you right now about your late brother and tell our audience about that. Wow. Yeah. It's a project that I actually started 20 plus years ago, filming interviews with people who knew my brother a few years after he died. My brother was an artist and writer named Gary Fisher, but none of his work came out or was published during his lifetime. It was Mm. only after he passed from AIDS in 1994 at the age of 32 Mm. that a book of his writing was published called Gary in Your Pocket. And the book introduced me to a brother that I did not know. The book consists of his journals as well as short stories. And it just left me with more questions than answers. And so... I decided to pick up my camera and I went across country and I spoke to people who knew him, my family members, my father. You know, I'm so grateful to have that interview with him. Yes. But then, you know, the project, you know, I I left it for many years and, and then something happened. My brother's name started coming up and, it, you know, different artists and writers and scholars were talking about him, were writing about him, were inspired to do work because of his writing. One of those people being Jeremy O'Harris, the playwright of Slave Play. And and I thought, okay, I, I think this might be the time for me to to return to this project. And so, yeah, we've begun shooting again. I did get some grant funding last year for it. Get um, that grant funding, girl. Gonna hopefully get some more this year. And yeah, I'd love to. I mean, we we have a very prominent actor. I'm not talking about that quite yet. Who is going to be portraying my brother and voicing his words. So yeah, it's kind of remarkable. And it is a personal documentary in the sense that I guess I have to be a part of it as well. And, you know, there's a reason why I like to hide behind the camera. But you look so good in front of it, though. (laughs) Come on now. Oh, so yeah, this is, you know, it's pushing all the buttons. But you know, I... What I've learned, you know, as I get older, I can't believe, you know, that we keep having these birthdays, but ridiculous. I know, you know, look, I feel like I'm, you know, reversing in time, but as I get older, nonetheless, I, I feel like I have to just go toward the things that I fear, you know, that, you know, Mm. not let fear get in the way of, of, you know, being creative, like these are the risks I like to take, (laughs) you know, not 
ride a roller coaster. I don't need that. This is thrilling enough, you know, putting myself in these positions where I have to find the story and and I have to tell the story. It feels like it won't let me go. I guess it's my brother who's saying, come on, sis. What's taking you so long? This Let's is <laughs> so beautiful, Lucina. And I wish I wouldn't mess with a time machine ordinarily, but if I had one and we could go back and bring your younger self into the future to see who you are and what you're doing and to hear about this project. Can you imagine how you would feel? Oh, just so I, proud I have of a you. question for you, Lucina. You, you talked about uh, when you were with Queen Latifah, she was talking about how to relax, she watches movies, watches science fiction movies or reads science fiction, whatever. That's so important. I mean, the in life, they pay you for how much stress you can take without cracking. So mm. the question I have for you is, what do you do to help adjust your personal stress level? What can you teach our audience about, about you know, you're in the trenches. What do you do to stay sane? Mm. You know, it, I think my kids actually help me stay sane. It's funny because, you know, at one point, I'm sure I felt I needed to escape them, but they actually keep me grounded. They <laughs> they don't care <laughs> what no, I do. They you really know, don't. They, they're like, you know, are you going to take me to soccer practice? <laughs> it, it just, it, it helps me keep things in context and perspective. And, and honestly, you know, I, I, I think you may have said this too, Tanana Reeve, that, you know, it, it, it's important to live your life while you're pursuing your dreams. Oh and my gosh. Yes. That's a great, that's a great quote. You've got to, I don't remember important saying it, but I'll live I'll your life it. while you're pursuing your dream. I'll claim it. It sounds like something or I'm I actually going to write that down. It's very true because people right. get so consumed with a dream. And when you're talking about filmmaking and screenwriting, these are long-term goals. Yes. I mean, yes. it took 10 years plus, I think, to get Kindred to the screen for television. So if my cousin, I'm going to give him a credit. My cousin Monko once told me that I, on my deathbed, I wasn't going to wish I had gone on one more book tour. Wow, And that also keeps in perspective. What is it that really matters in life? And you're so right. right as we, the, the beauty of aging, the grace of wisdom is that you learn how to better prioritize how you spend your time. Yes. You prioritize it and you spend it very wisely. I, I, I am like the, the master now at, you know, maximizing my time, whatever it is I'm doing. So, you know, I, you know, I, I tend not to waste time, you know, if I'm on set or if I'm, you know, at home, I, you know, I, 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 I want to be present and, and, and using my time as wisely as possible. That said it, you know, it's true that this is, it, it is a stressful profession and you know just being on set you know being an edit it's you know a lot of long hours so you know i think it's important to you know, i meditate in the morning to just ground myself i i'm moving my body you know through exercise and i one of the things that i i said to myself when i really started making money as a director was to make sure that i was giving myself a massage once a month you know, doing something, some kind of self-care. A present is, for you. 
It's absolutely, you have to do that. You know, you have to give something to yourself when you reach these goals, whatever it is that you love, you know, if it's like, I'm going to go get a new handbag or I'm going to get a massage, um, you know, that's, that's really important too. To reward yourself. That is great advice. That Thank you so much, Lachina, for coming on our very sp- special birthday anniversary. Since you know, it's the one year anniversary of the show and my birthday, that's a birthday anniversary too. We always, always like to find nice transitions into the podcast <laughs> and the discussion of what we do to reward ourselves, but also how we start our days, how we how we exercise, how we plan, how we take care of our time. The things you're talking about, how, you know, I've heard it said that there are two things you need to focus on. One is improving your skills and the other is improving your time management. Mm-hmm. That what we have always tried to do is to find the minimum amount that people can do to stay on track. And the, you know, our, the life writing premium program is absolutely that. And the fire dance Tai Chi program is a program where you are learning how to connect with your creativity, connect with your aliveness, focus on your goals, think about your mentors, mm-hmm. you know, feel you're absolutely washed and positive emotions at the same time that you're doing one of the great movement systems that's ever been existed, ever been created on the planet. And we've got mm-hmm. all that for you at firedancetaichi.com. We also do weekly Zoom meetings where we work with your goals and pump you up. We're having a lot of fun with the podcast. And all we want is for our listeners to have the best 2023 that they can possibly have. So please take our advice. When we have these wonderful people come on here and speak to you, take the advice, use it in your life. And if you can, join us with the Firedance Tai Chi program, firedancetaichi.com. Was it something you wanted to say, sweetie? Well, I mean, I I got some mesmerized looking at you on the video that I I forgot. But I think- uh, I love the program. I love teaching this stuff to you. I I can tell. Yeah, it is. It's great. And one thing I don't think we've ever really talked about much on the podcast is that we each have email lists. And that way you don't have to keep track of remembering, well, what's the name of that course? Or how do I find you? Because you, I'll be finding you. I'll be sending an email at least once a week if you join what's me. What's your at list? Tananareedlist.com. Yeah, we just love sharing. We love doing this and we love sharing what we've learned along the way. And those of you who've been with us for an entire year, you know, this is just who we are. And yep. this, we absolutely adore this and we love you. And thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. And Lucina, thank you for yes. and offering your thank wisdom you and your for love. coming on my birthday and show. And being my and baby's friend. Yes, and all the great things. Thank you for coming. I have to give you an extra round of applause. And for those of you... For those of you who are about to just jump into 2023 with both feet, go out and make yourself the hero or heroine of your own story. The hero in the adventure of your lifetime. That's the Life Writing Podcast, everybody. Please subscribe, tell your friends. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Life Writing Podcast. Join us next time for more conversations about creating the project of your dreams. For more information, go to lifewritingpremium.com and get ready to write for your life.
Hi, I'm Essie, one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a Best Comic Book Podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com.